Good evening, my family. Praise Jesus. Amen. Uh, so I need to confess something, a miscommunication that was entirely on my part, uh, not at all on Rob's part, uh, was made by me. I got his email and I was in the middle of another meeting and I was thinking about three things at once and I misread what he wrote and I forgot. Long story short, found out uh, this morning that it's me preaching tonight. So this afternoon, uh, I am started outlining uh, what I is on my head right now, my heart, and I'm glad I have my pages numbered. So <laughs> praise Jesus. So we are going to continue uh, with my last thinking, which was in, in communion. So that's where we're going to be tonight. Let's pray. Lord Almighty, thank you for celebrations. Thank you for rightly being invited to celebrate things that bring you glory. And that is exactly what we want to do tonight. We want to give glory to you and we want to celebrate what you have done. Help us to do so rightly uh, because you are worthy of our best celebrating. In Jesus' name, amen. Every kid loves birthday parties. I mean, what's not to love? You go, there's lots of noise, there's lots of bright colors, and there's lots of sugar. And so pretty soon your kids are so high on sugar, they can't even see straight, but they want more of it. Yes, such is modern American kid birthday parties. Mine, by the way, is very much looking for to her fifth birthday party, which is two months away. But fortunately, she is mindful that Jesus' birthday comes first. So I'm, I'm glad at least of that. I think both hers and Jesus' birthday will be cheery, anticipation, fun, will be great in our house. And we notice every year as we get older, as we see more and more birthdays go under our belt, that we add more days to commemorate than we add to celebrate. But remember these painful days and these happy days, we must. In part, we remember we are, we are doing what is absolutely necessary for us to live full lives as human beings, as children of God. To be human is to be able to remember the past so that we can live today wisely. You've heard it said that experience is learning from your mistakes and wisdom is learning from others' mistakes. All of that entails remembering. And to be human is to live today in light of what we know about the future. Which, albeit, is not very much. But there are many things that we can anticipate that we know on good authority. And we are fools if we choose to not to anticipate and live today in light of what will happen. Now, our passage tonight combines both of these realities. The remembering of what happened in the past and how it changes our life today 
and forever. And the anticipation of what will soon happen, which will affect how we live today as well. In our passage, Jesus tells us to both anticipate and to remember. So our big idea we'll get from our passage tonight is to anticipate well by remembering rightly. Let's open to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, and look at 26 to 29. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples. And He said, Take, eat, this is My body. And He took the cup, and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in My Father's kingdom. Now, One thing that should strike us as we read this passage, but I often miss, is that Jesus is asking us to commemorate His death. What about the feeding of the 5,000? Do you ever commemorate that? Do you ever commemorate the time that Jesus called Peter out on the water and He walked to him? with dry clothes? Do you ever commemorate the countless times that Jesus healed somebody? D.A. Carson put this very succinctly. What is certain is that Jesus bids us commemorate not His birth, nor His life, nor His miracles, but His death. Now, what is all this about commemorating and celebrating? Well, it's quite simple, really. We don't celebrate in the United States 9-11, but we commemorate it. We remember what happened, and we remember those who gave their lives. We don't celebrate the deaths of our loved ones who have gone before us, but we do commemorate it. Why? It's in part because we want to learn from that. And in the death of a loved one, we we seek, we strive to remember all that was good about them and we emulate it ourselves. And when we lose someone, we also praise Jesus for the time that He gave us with them. And then we seek ourselves... We seek ourselves to grieve rightly because for as long as we live in this sin-sick world, we are going to experience death and loss and just failure. And to commemorate is kind of a mixture of all that. But here, we find that we are commemorating His death at the same time as we're celebrating! Woo! Have you ever been asked the question, why do you call the day on which your God died Good Friday? We call it Good Friday because Sunday's coming. Amen? Amen? Resurrection Day is the most important day of the year. And when we come to this table, we commemorate the sacrifice of God the Son to come and live among this cesspool of us and then die 
for us so that He can raise again because He is risen. risen You're awake. Praise Jesus. And here, Jesus intentionally points to the central scene of all of history. Certainly, He's pointing to the central scene of redemption history in the Old Testament, which is the Passover. This is where God brought His people out of the furnace of slavery and brought them, well, through the wilderness and into the promised land. Likewise, He has brought us from the furnace of slavery to our sin through the wilderness and we can see, we can anticipate that the promised land is coming. We see this because we know that this is the Passover meal and we are reminded that God saves His people in the past. He saves His people now and He will one day save us forever. You can anticipate well when you remember rightly. My friends, let's face it. We live in a world full of pain. And if you expect everything to go swimmingly for you, you will be bitterly disappointed. Anticipate well by remembering that your Savior suffered more than you are likely to suffer. And He did it. And He promises to be with you through it. Even as Pastor Benji read at our 5.30 prayer meeting, my favorite psalm, Psalm 63, as in a dry and weary land, we search after You, Lord, the source of our life. Let's go through our passage, breaking it down little by little. Verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is My body. The thing that the Lord has been speaking to me on lately have you ever wanted the Lord to speak to you? Have, you? have you ever had that thought cross through your mind? I'm going to tell you a surefire way to get the Lord to speak to you. Pray a prayer similar to this. Lord, show me where you want me to repent right now. And this is how it usually works for me. I have never heard an audible voice and believing that it was the Lord. But, as I'm going through my day, as I'm going about my normal life, the Lord brings things to mind. Sometimes, that's a person to pray for. Sometimes, that is something to be thankful for. Sometimes, that is something I need to repent of. The one that's been really in my mind and heart lately is how much I allow myself to be distracted. I haven't been listening for the Lord to tell me. 
And part of that is I forget to expect that my God is a supernatural God. That He comes through on His promises. And that when I am orienting my life towards Him instead of whatever is sparkling that is catching my attention at that moment, when I am focusing on Him, that is when I am being fulfilled. I am eating not the, oh my goodness, we had this greatest cranberry mix of fruit and cranberries Thursday, Friday. Oh, it was wonderful. If you want that recipe, ask my wife. I, I don't even remember, but it's really good. But you know what it's like. You start feeding on all the junk food that's around you, and you forget the Lord offers you real nourishment. Do you believe that when you take of the bread and the cup, the Lord is with you? Do you believe that when you take of the bread and the cup, that He is giving you something that you can find nowhere else? Do you believe that even though you're tired, even though you want to watch the next episode of British Baking something or other. It's something like that. British Baking something. Do you believe that when you open God's Word and ask Him to meet you there, that He will? We are supernaturalists, my friends. Ask Him. And as you go to Him, you will find your appetite for what He offers increasing. But secondly, we see here that we must anticipate His return. Paul makes this even a little more explicit in 1 Corinthians 11.26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. You are commemorating the sacrifice that your Lord gave to you. And you are celebrating woo, the fact that He rose on Sunday. It's not enough just to do it at Easter. Because I'm so easily distracted, I need to be reminded and reminded and reminded and reminded. That's what we're doing. You're proclaiming to your heart, Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. So anticipate well that He is coming back by remembering rightly. Nourish yourself by remembering Jesus. Expecting Him to show up as you do. By expecting Him to show up in your future, whatever that may hold. And do this by taking of the bread and the cup and by meeting the incarnate Word in the written Word. Jesus continues, verse 27-28, Jesus took the cup, and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is My blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
The first thing that we need to do as we're remembering is we need to remember what this is all about. You see, as we said, Jesus, or excuse me, Yahweh called Abraham, marched him right out of town, went up and down, came around. He said, okay, this is going to be your land. You're going to have descendants, but promptly sent him straight to Egypt. Was there a long, old, long, old time, and his family grew. His family expanded, and now there's millions, but they're slaves. They're slaves. And they need to be redeemed. They need to be purchased off the slave market that they were on in Egypt. And God took them out of there and brought them into the wilderness so that He could then lead them into the promised land. But in order to do that, Yahweh needed to make sure that His people understood what was going on. So He gave them a covenant. And in this covenant ceremony that took place, which as I was reading this, I thought, oh, I want to talk about this. Maybe we'll get Benji to preach on Exodus 24 soon. Great passage. Go home, read it tonight. You have the Holy Spirit. He will make it clear to you. But this great ceremony, Moses is sprinkling blood all around because what's going on is where this blood is being spread is that is a, a participant in this covenant. And so he spreads it symbolically on the Lord. And then what he does in verse 8, Moses took the blood and he threw it on the people and he said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Again, I can't get into all that that is. But we see here a concept that we, if we miss it, we are missing something important. And that it is the power of the blood to make the covenant valid to bring that covenant into reality and here in Matt, excuse me exodus 24 we see what we commonly call the old covenant the mosaic covenant praise jesus for the mosaic covenant but then we see something else in jeremiah chapter 31 31 the prophet is speaking for the Lord. And the Lord says, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And once again, it is a covenant and therefore blood must take place. And Jesus, God the Son, spilled His blood. Symbolically then, as a picture of participating in this covenant with the Lord, we have to do something that when you think about it is pretty disgusting. We have to drink his blood. Now fortunately, it's wine. <laughs> Actually, fortunately, it's Kirkland Welch's grape juice. So you're good. Don't worry. But what we see here is that we are reminding ourselves that we are a part of this covenant. And as you come here, 
You are reminding your soul that yes, this new covenant is for me. And so as we remember what the Lord has done, we also anticipate. Jeremiah 31 does not end in verse 31. Pick it up actually in verse 34. What are the blessings of the covenant that we are to anticipate? Here they are. For this is the covenant that I will make for the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Oh my goodness, what more do you need? No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord! For they shall all know Me. From the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. We remember what the Lord did. And we anticipate. Already we have much of this blessing, but it hasn't yet fully come into reality in our experiential lives. So we are anticipating what the Lord is going to do in us and through us and for us by this new covenant that we remind ourselves of every time we allow the blood of the God, the Son, to be spread upon us and in us and through us and for us. Anticipate well by remembering rightly. Of course, the obvious application of that is trust the promises of God for you in Christ. Trust that God will come through because He has come through. In your darkest night, don't doubt what you have seen in the light. Tonight, remember and anticipate as we take, as we celebrate, as we receive communion, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And then tomorrow, we receive the day that the Lord has made. We remember that this too shall pass. We remember because we remember the taste of that matzos and that Kirkland. We remember that taste. Yes, even so, Lord Jesus, I will trust in you. But Jesus is not finished instructing us. Verse 29. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Clearly, this verse is an anticipation. Clearly, Jesus is drawing to our mind something so that we will look forward to what He has for us in the future. We are commanded to anticipate what it is that will come by remembering. Now, as we said last week, the other crystal clear witness to this meal is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me just read a portion of it. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the day 
that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, um, for as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Listen, you and I are commanded to celebrate. And we are commanded to celebrate the death of our Lord Jesus because we know He is coming. We know that He is coming. Do you realize that the Jews were commanded to party? The Jews were commanded to party. They were commanded to celebrate. At least three times a year, they were commanded to go to Jerusalem and they were commanded to bring stuff so they could party. Just saying. You and I are commanded to throw a party as well. Because... When we celebrate rightly, the world will notice. The world will notice, number one, what it is we're celebrating about. And they will also notice that how we are celebrating is important. Now, there's all kinds of things that we missed tonight. We, we celebrate communion because we want to celebrate together. We celebrate because we want to remind each other. Because that we need to remember that we are part of this family. There's so much that we missed. Which is why Pastor Benji and I can preach 12 sermons a year and go through all this and never repeat ourselves much about this is what I'm talking about. But we are commanded to celebrate. We are commanded to anticipate well by remembering rightly. So now, we come here. We pull this out so I can actually walk. Tonight, as we celebrate... What I want us to hold in our minds and our hearts is one day we will no longer take this meal. One day, this meal will be a thing of the past. What will replace it is the wedding supper of the Lamb. Which, at which I am absolutely convinced my mom's cranberry stuff that she made and my wife's pumpkin pie that she made are going to be at the dinner. Come to my side of the table. I will set you up. No mayonnaise will be there. Trust me. And so, as we remember this, we are reminded that something so much better is coming in the future. So as you eat tonight, anticipate that. 